on Purim. Purim Titzabe Chelek Chav Aleph. And we're learning in this chos of our four shlema for Harav Yosef Yitzchak ben Sima Chasia. Sif Aleph. Oh, before I begin, I just wanted to explain and ask apologies. Um, I was hoping to be in a car by 10 a.m. And then it would just be that I'm teaching from a phone, which, you know, is a little bit different than teaching from um, the computer. But um, the driver has been held up in a traffic jam. So it seems like around 1030, I'm going to have to excuse myself, get off for five minutes, get in the car, and then I'll bounce right back on. But I just wanted to explain that um, before I begin. Aleph, and I mean no disrespect. This was very carefully planned, but uh, Aleph, Lechol Shabbos, Yeshaychas, Leirak Limei HaShavua Shalafanea, Kishma, Yam Hashvi, Elagam Limei HaShavua Shachareha. Every Shabbos has a direct connection and correlation, not only to the days that came before her, as the name Yom Hashvi, the seventh day, implies that it's part of uh, the days that come before it. That's why it's called the seventh day. But it also has a very direct connection and correlation with the days that come after. Kitisa Bezayar, like the Zayar states, Kol Shisa Yemen Shalachri Hashabas, all the six days that follow Shabbos, Mizbarchin Miyem Hashviya, are blessed by the seventh day. And this Shabbos, and this Shabbos, the Rebbe says, which would be for us the forthcoming Shabbos, this connection is so much more obvious and prominent because of the Torah reading of this coming Shabbos. And this coming Shabbos, we'll be reading Parsha Zachar because it is the Shabbos immediately before Purim. And the mitzvah to remember Amalek is connected to the days of Purim. Uh, and it's so much so connected that the Kriya of Purim day is the story of Amalek, Amalek that Amalek came upon the Jews. And concerning the Kriya of Parsha Zachar, Isa Begemar, the Gemara states, Shehi has Chira Hakedemes La Asiya Shebepurim, like it says in the Megillah, Niskarim Vinasim. So the words in the Megillah are Niskarim Vinasim, that the events surrounding the story of Purim are remembered and then are done or affected. And the Gemara says that the aspect of Niskarim, that they are remembered, is the Zechira, is the way in which we remember Amalek by reading Parsha Zachar in the Shabbos before Purim. So, in general, Purim would have a Shaykhaz to the Shabbos that comes before it, because all days that follow Shabbos flow from the Shabbos that precedes them. But the Rebbe says that <coughs> there's a very, very prominent, and especially um, it's Berletas, it, it sticks out the Shaykhs this year because we're going to be reading Parsha Zachar. It's the Shabbos before Purim. Now, you might say that's every single year, 
right? Every single year, the Shabbos before Purim, we read Parsha Zach. But the Rebbe explains, Ubishana Zu, but this year, Hashaykh is the Shabbos Zu, Limeha Shavu Haba, Ubi Ikar, Limeha Purim, he be Yeser Se'es, Me'asher Bashar Shanim. But because of the Kfias, because of the way how the calendar falls this year, there is an extra strong connection between Shabbos and the days that follow, which would, of course, include Purim. And what is it? It's because B'Shana Zu, this year, Chola HaShabbos B'Yayim Yud Aleph L'Chaydash Adar. This year, this coming Shabbos, will fall on Yud Aleph Adar. V'Yayim Zeh, who has Cholas Hazman Haro'i L'Kriyas HaMegillah. And this day is the beginning of the days that are the proper days for reading the Megillah. Kedi'i Mishnah. So the Rebbe now cites the first Mishnah in Mesechet Megillah. Megillah nikreis b'yud alif, b'yud beis, b'yud gimel, b'yud dalet, b'tesvav. The Megillah can be read on the 11th day, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, or the 15th. And then the, the, the Mishnah parses that and explains. And one of the things that the Mishnah explains is, shahakfarim makadimim liyoyim haknisa. The reason that the Megillah can sometimes be read as early as the 11th day is so that the people who populate the small villages should be able to read the Megillah so that they will be able to go in Yom HaKnisa. Yom HaKnisa can mean uh, the assembly day, uh, but it seems to be a reference to the market days. So people would travel from the, um, what we would call today, I guess, the suburbs, they would travel from the small villages into the big cities for the market days. And and the earliest time that you could read the Megillah and be in the mitzvah so that you could be free on Purim itself um, because you had to go to the market would be the 11th day, which this year is the Shabbos before Purim. Vidinze. And this halacha in the Mishnah is not something that is like theoretical and abstruse because it is only relevant to the time where B'nai Yisrael were living on their own land. We were living in Eretz Yisrael and we had our own Sanhedrin and so on and so forth. No. Rebbe says it's not only then. That in those days, when all of B'nai Israel were in Eretz Israel and we had our own judicial system and so on and so forth, that only then it would be relevant, this halacha, that the people from the suburbs <coughs> could read the Megillah early so that they would be available to go in on the market days. No. The Rebbe says that this is also relevant today as it is uh, brought down, as a psakashul somebody who is leaving uh, is sea bound, they're going to take a voyage on the oceans, and somebody that is leaving on a <coughs> convoy um, or a, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but when a whole bunch of people go together in uh, a caravan, 
um, leaving, like to go through the desert. And he can't find a Megillah to take with him. So even today, a person who doesn't have a Megillah to take with them, and they are leaving on a sea voyage, or they are going on some other voyage, let's say, for instance, through the desert, um, then they could start to read the Megillah as early as the 11th day of Adar. And even though halakhically we learn that bidiyavid ex post facto, if you don't have a choice, then the whole month is, is kosher for reading the Megillah. And the Ramah passes this, and this is how we comport ourselves. But still, the Rebbe says, "Yes, nechiluk ikri ben kriyas hamegila biyudalik biyudbeis biyudgimah lekriyasam mitzkilas achaynish." But still, there is a pivotal difference between reading the Megillah starting from Yudalif to reading it in the beginning of the month. Am dam bisman hazeh gam hasmanim yudalik biyudbeis biyudgimah kshayim lekriyas hamegila rak b'shas atchak or b'diavet. So the Rebbe is going to say that there's still a difference. However. Today, even reading it on Yudalif, Yudbeis, and Yudgimel, while it's kosher for reading the Megillah, it's still only something you do b'shaz hatchak, which means when you absolutely have no choice, and it's b'diyevet. V'yaseira mizu, and even more so, afilo hadin shakfarim makdim liyamaknisa, even the halacha, l'chatchila, the halacha, that says that the people who live in the small villages can read the Megillah as early as Yudalif or Yudbeis, Yudgimel, in order to allow them to go into the big cities for the market days, Eina Ella Heter. This to begin with is only a Heter. The Chachamim gave them permission, which means that it is a Heter that Chachamim gave permission. Or like it says elsewhere, they were mekil. They gave a leniency to the people of the villages, the small villages. But the time for reading the Megillah is only on the night of Yodalit and on Tezvav. This notwithstanding, says, so even though we understand that it was it was only a heter and the chachamim were mekil and they allowed them to do it, but still it's still true. That reading the Megillah on Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, and Yud Gimel has a particular connection. It has a much bigger connection to Purim than reading the Megillah at the beginning of the month on the days from Aleph to Yud Aleph. And the Rebbe says, as we will explain further, Beis, the Yuvon Zen will understand this. Bahaktim Habir Mishnah Megillah Nikreis Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, Yud Aleph as well. We'll understand this by um, looking a little bit more closely at this Mishnah that says that the Megillah could be read on the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, or the 15th of Adar. 
Once we understand the allowance of reading the Megillah, starting from Yud Aleph, that it's a kula, that it's a leniency. And it was something that the, that the Chachamim allowed, conceded, you could say, and it was only allowed at certain times, and it was only allowed for certain people. So once we understand this, so why would the Mishnah be written in such a way, beginning with saying that the Megillah could be read on Yudalaf? It would seem that the Tana should have constructed the Mishnah differently. It should have started with when is the conventional time? When is the optimal time? When is the perfect time to read the Megillah? And then go back to when, if you have a certain situation and you won't be able to read on Purim, okay, so then you could read it starting from Yudalaf. But why would the Mishnah lead with Yudalaf? So the Rebbe says, maybe you're going to say that you want to do it in a logical, sequential pattern. So the 11th day of the Chaydish comes before the 14th and the 15th. So that's why the Mishnah starts with Yiralf. But the Rebbe says, But the intention of the Mishnah is to explain for us how to keep this mitzvah. It's not coming to tell us the calendrical order of dates, the imkain. And if so, so once we understand that the, the um, intention of the mission is not to list for us the days, the order of the days, but rather to explain the mitzvah. And if it's to explain the mitzvah, it should have begun with telling us when is the Iker mitzvah. And especially, and especially because it still could have been done sequentially, but you would have started with Tezvav. Here, the Rebbe says, he says how the, how the Mishnah could have read. The Megillah is read on the 15th day, which this year will be Tuesday. Be your Dalit. This year it'll be Monday night. And then the Mishnah could have said, Be your Gidimel, be your Beis, be your Olive. It could also be read if you have certain circumstances that would preclude the Megillah from being read in its optimal time. Shekain, who has said, Behem Shecha Mishnah, because indeed that's what the Mishnah does later. When the, when the, when the Tana, when, they, when the author of the Mishnah goes in to explain it at times, he says, Later on in the Mishnah, it says that the cities that are surrounded by a wall read the Megillah on Tezvav. We call this Shushampurim. Sorry, I, I made a mistake when I said it's Tuesday. It's going to be Wednesday this year, is Tezvav. And the small villages and the big cities read the Megillah on Yudalit. And afterwards goes back and says, And if necessary for people from the small villages to read the Megillah earlier so they can be available to go into the market on Purim, the Mishnah tells you when you could do this. So 
why would not the beginning of the Mishnah have been constructed in this way, instead of leading the whole discussion about Megillah, beginning with Yud Aleph, which is just a concession necessary for certain people in certain times. Gam Tzarech Lahavin, we also have to understand, Kekushyas Mefarshim, like um, a couple of Mefarshim have asked already on this Mishnah, Lama Nakat Haloshin Begillah why does the Mishnah use this particular terminology saying the Megillah is read? And not like it's written in other places, So it's like in the passive, the Megillah is read rather than a person would read the Megillah. So we have two questions. Why does the Mishnah begin with what would seem to be a, con- a necessary concession, but only for certain people in certain times, instead of beginning with what would be the norm, what would be the optimal time to read the Megillah. And also why this particular terminology of the Megillah is read, as opposed to saying you read the Megillah on such and such a day. Those are the two questions, Gimel. And we might say, the explanation is as follows. In the order that the Mishnah lists the possible days of reading the Megillah, the Tana is coming to, to emphasize and to underscore that the Tana is coming to say that although the reason for allowing the Megillah to be read on the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th is because the Chachamim were Mekil, they accorded this leniency for the people who populate the small villages, that they should be able to come, they should be able to read the Megillah early so that they would be available to come to the days of assembly, the days of market. Why is this important? In order for them to bring the water and the food to their brethren, to the Jews who lived in the big cities. Or to say it a little bit differently, more than this even, like the Gemara decides, this was allowed because they provided water and food to their brethren in the cities. In other words, the difference is to allow them to be able to do this, they were given this leniency, Or, like the Gemara says, they were given this privilege as a reward because they brought the food and water to their brethren. It's a reward. So although it is a concession, but still... The Tana wants to underscore, and that's why he leads with starting with Yud Aleph. He wants to underscore that this is still within the rubric. It's still within the category of times that are the proper times reading the Megillah. And that's why 
the Mishnah leads with that. Because if it would have been at the end of the Mishnah, then it would have sounded like, okay, you know, like kind of you're throwing a bone to them or you, it's like, it's an afterthought. But here you're leading with that to underscore that, yeah, there's a reason and it was a concession or it was even a reward, but still we want to underscore that these are the proper times that the Miguel could be read. Besignan Acher, to say this a little bit different in a different style. Although the reason for allowing the Megillah to be read in Yud Aleph came to begin with as a decree to meet the needs of the Gavra, of the person who's doing the mitzvah, but but through this was effectuated a difference in the Chefza, in the thing. Here, the thing is the Kriyas HaMegillah, the entity of reading the Megillah. That those days, the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th, for the people who live in little villages became part of the proper time to read the Megillah. I just want to um, reiterate this in my own words. So, <clears throat> The, the simple way to understand this is that the Mishnah wants to underscore that it is not wrong to read the Megillah on Yud Aleph, Yud Beit, Yud Gimel. And not only is it not wrong, but it's not like, okay, it's like there's, you know, there's the proper time to do it and then, oh, you're seconds. But by leading the Mishnah with this, the Mishnah is underscoring that no, these became proper times during which you could read the Megillah. Then the Chaba said in the brackets that to say this a little bit differently, while L'Chatchila, this seems to have been a concession made for particular people, Gavra, the person that's doing the mitzvah, but what it did is affect a change in the status of the Chefza, of the mitzvah itself, which is that these days also became proper days for reading the Megillah. So the time that you can read the Megillah properly, according to Allah, became elongated. Meaning, so by reading the Megillah during these days, it's not just that the people of the Kfar, the people that live in these small villages, are Mekayim the Mitzvah, they observe the Mitzvah, which devolves upon them. And here the Rebbe is beginning to circle back to that question of why this passive terminology, the Megillah, is read. So the Chepa says it's not just that the people fulfill their mitzvah, but it's also that the Megillah is read. The Megillah, the Megillah's reading, the Chepa becomes fulfilled. This underscores that this is a proper way to read the Megillah. Okay, move on, and this is also understood from the words of the Gemara, that the men of the great assembly, in the days of Mordechai and Esther, who was metaking reading the Megillah? It was that lived in the days of Mordechai and Esther. They did not just um, create the decree about reading the Megillah, but they also were the ones who constructed the details thereof, including which days it should be read. 
וזהו ביר הלושן מגילה נקרס, ולא יקרנס המגילה. So Rebbe says that this explains why the Mishnah uses the term מגילה נקרס, that the מגילה is red and not we read the מגילה. ותם הפסיכה ביר אלף יוד בייז יוד גמל. And it also explains why the Mishnah begins with listing that the מגילה could be read on יוד אלף יוד בייז יוד גמל. Because Kriyas HaMegillah B'yamim Elu, reading the Megillah on these days, he layrak in Yishol Kherin HaMegillah Din Beheter, B'maisi B'kim HaMitzvah Shemitzah HaGavra, because reading the Megillah on Yer Aleph, Yer Bez, Yer Gimel, is not just that you fulfill the mitzvah, you read the Megillah, and that's the Din, and that's the Heter, and that's the way that the mitzvah is fulfilled by the person, B'tzad the person, and their responsibilities. Ela Megillah Nikreis. But rather the Megillah is read, and when, when the Mishnah says Megillah it does not reference the reader, meaning the Megillah is read. That the, the mitzvah of reading the Megillah, vis a vis the mitzvah, these are the days during which one can read the Megillah. So it's not. Okay, if, if the person wants to be perfect in their observance, this is what they would do, or the person has no choice, and therefore they have to do this. But rather, there's the perfection of the mitzvah itself. This is the time that this mitzvah is done. Yisera mizu, even more so. Mevor b'gemar, the gemar explains, she'anshek nesak dala ramzu zmanim elu b'megillah, l'kayim es yimei ha'purma elu b'zmanehem. The gemar explains that the anshek nesak dala alluded to these times in the word in the Megillah, L'kayim es yemei ha'purim ha'ela, by saying yemei ha'purim ha'ela, bizmanehem, in their times, the Gemara says this alludes to zmanim harbei tiknulahem, that they already had um, decreed various times that the Megillah could be read. So we find that the days of the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th could be possibilities to read the Megillah. But rather, but rather that reading the Megillah on the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th are to begin with equal to reading it on Yudalit and Tezvav. Because they are all included in that term, in their times. Meaning, this should not be understood as analogous to the idea of tashlumin, which means, for instance, that if a person couldn't bring the korban that you used to bring um, for coming to the base of Mikdash during the Shalosh uh, Rugalim, so let's say Shavuos, it's not a eight-day holiday like the other two. And what if a person didn't make it on time? So there was this Indian of Tashlumin, that they could, they could complete it in the week afterwards. So the Rebbe says, this is not analogous to that. Or other situations where the Halacha gives you other times that you could complete something that you didn't complete. But rather, but rather, if you read the Megillah on Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, it's like you read on Yud Aleph and Tesvav. 
On the other hand, of course, we have to remember that lemaisa, this is only b'shas hatak, only when you're pressed and you have no choice. But it's considered like reading it in the proper time. Al move on. Based on this, it's understood. So once we understand that your Aleph, your Beis, and your Gimel are just like your Dalit and Tezvav, now we can understand how it's different from reading it earlier in the month or later in the month. And this is also relevant to our day in halacha. For instance, if a person were going on a voyage in the sea or going out in a caravan in a desert and they couldn't take a Megillah with them. What's the difference? Okay, I'm sorry. I think I'm gonna have to hop off. Give me one second. more minutes and I'm going to have to hop then I'm going to have to hop off so I'm going to finish till hey so Rebbe says that it's still relevant today once we understand that your Aleph, your Beis, your Gimel are just as proper days to read the Megillah as is your Dalit and Tezbov but there's also this idea that the whole month is kosher for the Megillah we learn in the Yerushalmi, and the Gemara learns it from the words, from the word, the month during which it was transformed for them from great sadness to joy. Meaning, we learn from the word hachodesh that for the whole month there is the possibility and therefore the obligation for a person to fulfill their obligation of reading the Megillah in that time, bisman, in the days of Purim. It's an obligation on the person, but it doesn't make more complete the entity of reading the Megillah. It doesn't make the rest of the month the optimal time to read or even equal to the optimal time. So it's an allowance for the person. It's on the gavra, but not on the chefza. And the Rebbe says, okay, fine. How is this relevant to practicality? The Rebbe says, I'll give you a way in which this is relevant. This is, there's a difference. There's a nafkamina practically. What if a person has a chiyuv? They, uh, they have an obligation to fulfill another mitzvah, not kriyas ha But it's during these days. So which one should the person prioritize? Again, we're not talking about Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, or, te, or Yud Dalit or Tezvah. We're talking about from the beginning of the month till Yud Aleph or after Purim to the end of the month. What should they prioritize if there are two mitzvahs? So he says, Olav Lahakdim is a mitzvah shizmana us. 
So if a mitzvah were time sensitive and it was not from Yud Aleph through Tezbav, then you would prioritize the other mitzvah and not create some Megillah. But if you're talking about the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th, then there's 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 place to say that they have to prioritize the reading of the Megillah. Um, so I apologize, my dear friends. I am going to run out, get into the car. Okay. So wait, where are you up? Do you want to review it before I go further? I think it's good. We were just using the time in between to do okay. a little summary. Okay. Okay. So perfect. Okay. So, so if Dalit, the Rebbe says that this nafkamina, this this difference between the rest of the month and the days of Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, and Yud Gimel is is a is a nafkamina lahalacha, because Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, and Yud Gimel are just like Yud Dalit and Tezbav. So therefore, that would become the mitzvah you prioritize. When you had to choose between two mitzvahs, whereas the rest of the month, even though it's kosher for reading the Megillah, but you wouldn't prioritize that over another mitzvah that's time sensitive. So the Rebbe wants to underscore that by your Aleph, your Beis, and your Gimel, it's not just in the Gavra, it's not just a difference in the person who's doing the mitzvah, but there's a difference in the Chetzah, there's a difference in the construct of the mitzvah itself. Hey, and the fact that we find that days that it would seem are not actually the days for reading the Megillah become days during which you can read the Megillah. We might say that this is the reason for this. Because if you go back to the beginning, the whole Indian of reading the, of, of Kriyasa Megillah, the whole mitzvah, both the writing thereof and the reading, it all came about in a way that is more from the bottom up. The writing of the Megillah, its antecedents, is not equal to the rest of the Tanakh, not the Nevi'im, not the Ksuvim, and how much more so the Chamishichum Shetayra. Shebahem, because when you're talking about those for him, like the Rambam explains that the difference between the different aspects of the Tanakh is the degree to which there is any intervention by humankind. So the least intervention is in Chumash. There's more of a partnership quality in the Nevi'im and even more of a partnership quality in the Ksumim. But that's the Tanakh. But all of the Tanakh, the other form of the Tanakh, came about to one extent or another from top down. But when it comes to writing the Megillah, this a whole lichat via Esther's um, bakasha, her, her um, 
she asked for this. She, she said, write me down for posterity. And And there were a lot of arguments and there was a lot of um, rumination and going back and forth if her request should be accepted or not when she said And in the brackets, the Rebbe says, in like fashion, even the whole holiday of Purim and the whole idea of reading the Megillah. This too is an outgrowth of Esther's request. It was at her behest because she said, establish me, establish this holiday for all generations. And her request was again, followed by a lot of considerations and and going back and forth and an argument but once the megillah was written down it became part and parcel of the tanakh of the jewish canon of the holy books equal to the other books of the tanakh on the contrary it actually has an additional superior quality. Like the Rambam taught, all the books, <coughs> the Svarim of the Nevi'im of the prophets, and all of the writings or the scriptures will in the future, in the times of Mashiach, be abnegated. Except for the Megillah Esther. The Rambam writes, and she, Megillus Esther will remain like the Chamisha Chum Sheitara. Or like the Raibit explains that when the Rambam writes this, he means not that the books will be abnegated, but, their, but the reading thereof. And the rabbi explains that So even when other books will not be read publicly, but the Megillah will always be read in public. So <clears throat> the Rebbe says that the Rebbe is going to disabuse us now of thinking that, oh, Okay, so because it came from the bottom up, because lichatchila, it's an overture from below. It's a rosa dilatata. It's only because Esther asked for this. So you might say that its very construct is malleable. So since it's it's like that, so there's more fluidity and there's more latitude and there's more license to play around with the days when you could read it. And this idea, however, that it's not like that, that there's actually a superiority to Megillus Esther, like the Rambam told us, taught us, is expressed in how Megillus Esther was recorded, in the way in which it was written. In the Megillah, very notably, 
the Shem Habaya is not written, and none of the other names are written, not like the other holy books in the Tanakh. Now, Vipashtas <clears throat> Hadavar, if you're going to look on the simple level, Moira al Darbet, al Darga Bikdusha Shola Sefer, Shechasera Bo Kedusha Shem Habaya. So you would say that this represents a lower level of holiness. It's missing the the shamus of Hashem. And the different farshim bring down, Dal-Trebbe brings this down, that the reason why the names of Hashem don't appear in the Megillah, because the Persians wrote down these chronicles. They wrote it down in the chronicles of their kings. And they were people who served idols. And instead of writing God's awesome name, they wrote down the names of their deities. So therefore, when the Jews wrote it down, so therefore, it wasn't for the covet of Hashem that Mordechai should include any of the names of Hashem because of how the Persians had used the same story and inserted the names of their deities. So that's the simple historic sociological reason, whatever term you want to use, for why the Shem Hashem doesn't appear in the Megillah. But the Rebbe says, but in addition to this, it's known. The fact that the Megillah does not have any of the holy names of Hashem included, Hasidus explains that the reason why the names of Hashem are not recorded in the Megillah is because it speaks of a level of elokus, of godliness, that cannot be grasped in a name. It cannot be limited to a name. Because we speak here of a level of elokus, of godliness, that transcends all of the holy names, the Yisera Mizeba and even more so in the very um, famous words that are brought down in the Kutay Torah, Darga Deloy Ezramiz Beshum Ois Bekoitza Klal, Anoichi Misha Anoichi. It's a level that cannot be alluded to in any letter, even any of the kites, any of the crowns on top of the letters, because it is I. Who is I? Anoichi Misha Anoichi. The atmos, the essence that transcends any expression or encapsulation. The Zeo de Isa Begemara, and it's written in the Gemara, Esther Minater Minayin. Where do we have an allusion in the Tereshi Bechtav to the whole story of Esther and to Megillus Esther? From the words in Devarim Vanoichi Haster Aster, where Hashem says, Behold, I will obscure and shroud myself. That the whole idea of Hashem being obfuscated in the Megillah 
comes from a noichi, from, from, from the Atmos of Hashem, from Hashem's essence, because the essence of Hashem cannot ever be revealed. And it can never be constrained within any parameters, even the holy names. And not even with the shame Havaya. Behind this means this concept that the holy names are not mentioned in the Megillah. The whole reason that the names, the holy names of Hashem, don't appear in the Megillah is because the Megillah speaks to the essence of Hashem that is higher. Than being encapsulated in names. Zayin. Al pizayumta katam shepsichas hamishnehi biyayimir aleph. Rebbe says, so once we understand what's going on, how holy the Megillah is, it's not that, oh, well, it was Esther's idea, so it's not as holy as the rest of the books in the Tanakh, so therefore you have more latitude with when you can read it. The Rebbe says, no, it's the opposite. It's holier than everything else. And that's why the shame of Hashem doesn't appear there. And once we understand that, we're in a position to understand more clearly why the Mishnah begins the way it does. Okay. Alert. Now we're going into deep chasidus. Okay, we're transitioning from the nigla to the, I mean, not that anything is separate, but to, to the chasidus. Dilich aira, seemingly. Rebbe says, yeah, I already explained to you that seemingly the reason why the Mishnah begins with your Aleph, your Beis, and your Gimel is to underscore that those are bona fide days to read the Megillah, just like your Dalit and Tesvav. Aval Saf Saf, but in the final analysis, but in the final analysis, they're not exactly like your Dalit and Tesvav, which is why you would only read it in those days under very certain circumstances. Shame because the most people are supposed to read And so we circle back and we say, okay, yes, we could explain it like that. We could say that it's to make sure we understand that reading it on Yudalif, your face, your gimel is still the proper time to read it. But still it would seem that you would start the Mishnah with when most people read the Megillah, the ultimate time to read the Megillah. The Rebbe says, it's Lafi, it's because that reading the Megillah on the 11th day of Adar, which is the time that the people of the small villages would read it, it alludes to the innermost general reason for the Megillah in the first place. And how is this so? Here's the explanation. 
Gimel HaChalukes Bekriyas HaMegillah. These three categories of when you could read the Megillah. Krochim, these are the walled cities. Ayares Gedeles, these are big cities that were not encircled by a wall. Ukfarim, these are the villages. In Yanam, the Ruchnius of Avaitis Hashem Hu. They correlate spiritually to three different modalities in serving Hashem. Ubekits are Alkalpanim. And at least in short, the Rebbe says, it's like this. When you're talking about a big city that is encircled by a wall, this alludes to Avoidus Ha'adam, Hibishmira Ma'ula, Mibli Laseis, Pesach, the whole Tsar, Va'oye, Bechulalikanis. You're talking about an Avoida that is so securely protected that there's no place for any spiritual enemy to enter. That's one level of Avaita. That is alluded to in the city that is surrounded by a fortifying wall. So this is an Avaita which is so protected from spiritual, let's just say, um, it has such spiritual integrity, there's no way for any spiritual problem or enemy to enter. Then you have Ir Moshev. Then you have a city, a large city, but it doesn't have this wall. This is Avaidas Adam Poyeles Uboyna Machain Lashifta Yisbarach Ayudezeshu Ben Ir. This is the Avaida of creating for Hashem a place for Hashem to dwell. Machain Lashifta. And the, the person can do this avoda because they belong to a city. They're a bent ear. What does this mean? This is not a person that has to um, uh, dig. Lachresh means, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the particular term. Plow. Plow. Plow, thank you. Plow and seed or plant. This is not a person that has to lahamtin, that has to wait until the field will yield wheat. Everything is already done for this person because this is a place where people have lived for many years. So the produce is, is, is coming up on a regular basis. And all the person has to do is make for Hashem a dwelling place, make it into ear alokenu, turn it from a pedestrian ear, a regular city, into ear alokenu, a city that is Hashem's. And then you have kfar. You have the person who lives in the village, in the suburbs. This is a person, ha'adam sarat lach reish is a This is a person that has to plow. And the karka, the earth, is kosher dehelem ho difficult to break because it is it presents the helama the way in which the world obfuscates and shrouds and obscures godliness and so he really has to break the earth in order to ready this earth again this is of course a metaphor an analog to ready the earth for planting spirituality 
Now, these three spiritual levels of Avaita that parallel the different times that you read the Megillah. So in Seif Ches, the Rebbe says, generally they parallel the different spiritual worlds. And as Hasidus explains, Krach, a big city, this alludes to the world of creation. This is where the celestial beings called Srafim, they live there. I'm sorry, the Krach is the big city that is encircled by a wall. And this is where, this is the Ilam Habria, and this is where the Srafim reside. Ir Gidayla, a big city, but that's not encircled. Ilam Hayitzira, this is the world of formation. And this is where the Chayes HaKodesh and their Avoida reside. Ukfar and the village, Ilam HaAsiya. This parallels this world of action that we live in. And this is the Avoidas HaEfanim, the celestial uh, birds. Vachiluk Shabain Gimel Madregas Elu Bekoiches Vavoidas HaAdam. So what's the difference when we talk in our avoida, our spiritual avoida, what's the difference between these three categories? Avoida's ben akrach, the work of the person who resides in the encircled city. Remember the city that is safe and is impervious to um, being attacked spiritually. The avoid of the people in that category, ba min hamoichin. It comes from their brains, from their minds. From deeply meditating and grasping godliness. And therefore, because it's on that level, there's pleasure taken in the work. There's a pleasure for this person that comes from grasping onto godliness. It's like what the celestial beings called the Srafim experienced. Through their grasp, these Srafim were taught, Shayahu writes that these Srafim stand above him, Hashem, they become incinerated, and they are abnegated in, in their great yen and desire for godliness. So they become godliness. So the person who's on this level, who's the ben hakrach, and is able to grasp the moichin with their, their intelligence, able to grasp godliness, so there's a tremendous pleasure that comes from it. And it's like what the srafim, these celestial beings that are called srafim, experience. That's that level. Then you have the spiritual avoida of the big city that is not encircled with a wall. This avoida is propelled by the emotions. 
Abbas Hashem, the Yiras Hashem. And the emotions are shayach, are relevant, correlate with the Olam Hayatira, the world of creation. That is where the, the quote unquote emotions, the Midas of Hashem, are showcased. And that's why it says that the Aveda of the holy animals that populate this realm is with a loud noise because of the tremendous hispilos, the way that they are affected emotionally. So when a person is deeply affected emotionally, they might exclaim loudly, they might cry loudly. Same thing with the angels. Then there's the third the Aveda of the people in the villages. And who's there? These are the celestial birds, in this physical world of action. And this Aveda is that is that's intellect. It's not that is midas, that is the highest hakodesh in Yitzir. No, this is bechina simply acknowledging, simply um, acknowledging godliness. Etzlam hasagas disboynus hasechel bechain his iris hamidas the, the intellectual grasp of Hashem and the emotional engagement with Hashem is only to the necessary extent that will lead to acknowledging and conceding godliness. And this work is done with great noise, but it's It's not a great noise that's generated like the loud exclamation of joy or the loud cry of distress because of emotion. But rather it's the, um, you could say the inappropriate loud noise of the uncouth country bumpkin that comes to see the king and, and doesn't really know how to behave. And so might comport themselves in a way that, that, that's, that's inappropriate. Now, you might say that That's obviously going to be the lowest kind of to know that's not the direction. And although in the Aveda of the country bumpkins, there's people from in the world of Asiya, godliness
Want to start? Want to start from Aiskas? Yeah, there was just a request for that. Okay, okay. We'll start from from we'll start from Aiskas. Okay, bechlalos ha'elamais. Generally speaking, regarding the spiritual world's strata, ubalashen chasidus, and in the in the terminology of chasidus, krach mirames al oilam habria, the encircled city, the walled city, is an illusion for oilam habria. What's an oilam habria? Makam avedas hasrafim. That's where the angels called srafim reside. Ir Gedela, Olam Hayitzira. The big city that is not encircled is an allusion to the world of formation. And that is also an allusion to Avoidas Chayis HaKodesh. That's where the celestial animals, the celestial beings called holy animals live in Yitzira. Ukfar and the small village, Olam HaAzia, the world of action. Alavoidas HaIfanim. And that is where the holy birds live. And how does this correlate to the three categories of spiritual avoida of a person? The spiritual work of the person who resides, again, spiritually, metaphorically, in an encircled city, comes from their cognition. Through meditating and grasping godliness. And because they can understand it with their minds, they take pleasure in this avoida. And they, they take pleasure in the avoida that comes from their cognitive grasp of godliness. And this <coughs> parallels the work of the Srafim. Through the grasp of godliness that the Srafim experience, like Yeshayahu says, they stand above Hashem, as it were. They are burnt, as it were. They are subsumed in their desire for Hashem. Then we go to the next category, the spiritual avoida that parallels the large city that is not encircled. This level of avoida comes through the modality of emotion. Loving Hashem, fearing Hashem. And this has a connection to the world of formation. That is where the midas of Hashem are showcased, as it were. And that's why when the, the work of the Chayas HaKodesh that reside in Yitzira is described, it's described as happening with a loud noise, with a roar, because it's propelled by the strength of the emotions. Avoidas b'nei hakfarim, the avoida of the people in the village, ha'ifanim ba'olam hasia, the celestial birds in this world of action, hi ha'bchina da. It's different. It's only a modality of acknowledging 
of um, confessing, of conceding. So for the people in that category, their grasp through their cognition, and in like fashion, the extent to which they can be emotionally aroused, it's only enough to bring them to acknowledging. And it's the amount that compels them and forces them to acknowledge. And their work is Baraj Gadol. It's also Baraj Gadol. But it's not Mitzad Hergesh Halev. But it's not because they're so deeply moved. But rather, it's the inappropriate sounds that might be made by the uncouth person that comes to visit the king in the palace. And although the work of the metaphoric people who populate the small city, which is the Oilam Hasia, that would be all of us, and the work is not done through feeling God in a very open and manifest way, because it's not that we can grasp it with our seichel, and it's not that we can be so emotively charged. And therefore, it's only, our work is really only in the way of, we get it done, asiya, we acknowledge. Afal pikein, although all this is true, gam bavidosim kayam inyan habitolelokos. In this level, in this category, in this strata, there is also the Indian of bitl to godliness, of self-abnegation to godliness. And not only is there also bitl, but on the contrary, this bitl, this self-abnegation that comes not because you understand and not because you're so deeply moved, but rather you concede you uh, that there's a locus. Like the level of the celestial birds. So in a particular way, this bitl is amok is deeper even than the level of bitl that is generated through understanding of godliness by this rafim. We're never going to be able to dive in the same way after the sicha. Therefore, through the Eifanim is generated, the, and, and it says about them, that Hashem is blessed from His place. In other words, it's from Atmos. It's not anything we could do through our Hasaga, through our intellectual grasp or through our emotive <coughs> arousal. But it's mim koimai. Okay, I'm going through another tunnel. I don't know why it's taking us through two tunnels. So if I get cut off, you'll know what's happened. But I'll continue to as long as I can. Um, 
So therefore, there is this higher level that flows because it's been kaimai. It's higher even than the avayda that is generated by the srafim through their hasag of elokos. And therefore, we're circling back to answer the question. That's why the Mishnah begins <coughs> with saying that the Megillah could be read on Yudalus. Remember, the Rebbe asked, why would the Mishnah start with this? Why not start with Yudalit and Tezvah, which is the ultimate time, the perfect time, the time that most people will read the Megillah? Why start with an allowance that was given to B'nai for him. And the Chabbat says, once you understand what these different categories actually allude to, what they symbolize, the realities that they encapsulate, now you understand why the Mishnah begins with your Aleph, Kriyas B'nai Akfarim. Because it's actually in the Avaita of the Ben Hakfar, in the spiritual work that is generated by the person in the village, as it were, metaphorically, <clears throat> bereft of intellectual grasp of Hashem and bereft of emotive arousal, that really alludes to the most to the most general understanding of what the Megillah is all about. Without looking at the fact <coughs> that on external level, meaning on the simplest level, we already understand that the whole Indian of the Megillah is the Megillah's Esther. There's so many sikhs with the Rebbe underscores that it's not called the Megillah of Mordechai. It's not called the Megillah of Mordechai and Esther, but it's called Megillah's Esther. And Esther alludes that Hashem shrouds and obscures himself. There's no revelations. And still in all, despite the fact that this is what the whole Megillah is about, but as Rebbe already taught us, there is in the Megillah the atmos that is higher than any revelation. And this is alluded to, this highest level of bitl is alluded through in the bitl of the ifanim, of the celestial birds in Eilam Hasiyah. Tess. And now we're in a position to understand the connection between this Shabbos once we understand the connection of this particular kriyas, like we have this year, that Shabbos is on Yud Aleph, and Yud Aleph is when the Ben Akfar could start to read the Megillah, and actually the whole Indian of the Megillah, that it's Atzmus that's higher than Giluyim, is alluded to in the Ben Akfar. Once we understand all of this, we can understand how this is connected to the Parsha HaShavua, HaKfua B'Tayr L'Kreis HaBashabazu, Parsha's Tetzave. How the same Indian is also showcased in Parsha's Tetzave. 
why? Because Parsha's Tetzave, because it's well known that this Parsha, he had Parsha Hayechida Misha Shenoilad Moshe. It's the only Parsha the Torah from when Moshe was born, She'ain Shmoishal Moshe Rabbeinu Niskarba. That the name of Moshe is not mentioned. Ad Mishnah Torah until you get to Devarim. Kabir Chazal, like the Chazal explained, Betama Dabar, what's the reason that Moshe's name is not, is not mentioned in this Parsha? Bifnesha Amar, because after <coughs> the construction of the Egel Hazav, and Hashem wanted to destroy the Jews. So Moshe said, if you're going to destroy them, then then erase me from the book that you have written. And because Moshe Rabbeinu said those words, and even though they were contingent, but since he said those words, so his words had to come to fruition in at least some form. And this is how Chazal explained they came to fruition that his name does not appear in Parshat Tzav. So when you look at this very topically, Nira, it appears, it seems that this is not um, <clears throat> something that is coming to tell us about the greatness of Moshe. Aval biadenu. But once we know, but we know we have this axiomatic rule that the Torah doesn't even say something negative about an animal. So it can't be, and this is one of the big things that, 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 that is so unparalleled in the Rebbe's Torah, how everything that seems to be negative, the Rebbe explains that Ajab, and no, it's not negative, it's 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 for a good reason, it's to teach us something beautiful and positive. So it's understood that in this, that Moshe's name is not <clears throat> mentioned in that not only is this not something that is for a demerit, but on the contrary, it's, it's saying something spectacular about Moshe. And the truth is, Rebbe says, we learn, we learn this idea that everything in the Torah is for the positive from this, from this Parsha. Why? Because because although Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned, the um, meaning um, very clearly, but the whole parsha is called Titzaveh, or Atta Titzaveh. You shall command. Who's the you? It's all Moshe. So Moshe's name is not mentioned, but the whole parsha is called on him. And what's the explanation? Rebbe says, Sadikim Daimim Levaira. The Medrash tells us, and other places we learn, that Sadikim are like their creator. They have similar properties. And just like when we talk about the Abraham, we talk about Hashem, we know that all the names that are used for Hashem are only relevant to the, the levels of Hashem that are revealed. Only Iris, only the lights. 
but the essence of Hashem is higher than names. In like fashion, this is true about Sadiqim also. That Moshe's name is not written out <coughs> clearly and obviously. And we know that the that soul has that has five saba is higher than saying it in the names of Moshe. It transcends that. It's higher even than all the names of the soul. The davka mitat the esem shel Moshe, and it's davka through. The the essence of you, your essence, Ha al Moshe's Indian Tetzava as B'nai Israel. Moshe was able to effectuate this connection, Safta Bechibor Dechol Yisrael, to connect all of B'nai Israel, Ubechlalam Isaia Egel, inclusive of those who had just constructed the Egel. It's for these people, this demographic that had just made the Egel Hazav, that he was Meiser Nefesh, that he was ready to give his life when he said, and if you can't listen to me, if you're going to persist in destroying them, then, then erase me, destroy me. And he was able to affect, to, to affect Safta Imatz. He was able to connect them to the Atmos of Hashem, as is explained at great length in another place. So, based on everything that we've explained, move on Gam Hakishur Shabain Megila Nikrez Biyud Aleph, Linyana Shalparsha Zachar Zachiras Maisa Amalek. So, once we understand. The Meirdikah confluence of what's going to happen this coming Shabbos. There's the Indian of Tetzaveh, transcendence. The Indian of Yud Aleph, the Ben Hakfar, that is about a bitul that is transcendent. There's the Indian of Al Shabbos is connected to the Megillah, to Purim. And the Megillah is an energy that transcends any of the names of Hashem. Now the Chavis says, we can also understand the connection to Zechiras Maisa Amalek, Shabbos Zohar. Isa B'Shala, taught, She'yur Aleph, who communion Isis Vav Hei Me'ashem Avaya. Yur Aleph, which is 11, is the same um, numerical value as the Vav and the He together, the six and the five together from the Shem Havaya. Bahaminian Merubah Tesvav and the higher number, 15, came in the Yud He in the Shem Havaya. Vilachain. And therefore, Psichas Hamishnah Hibimigil in the craze Yud Aleph. 
first, the Mishnah starts with Yud Aleph, which are the latter two names of the Shem Hashem. Lefi, because Mechias Amolek, Shahaman Hagogi Humizarai, because the act of completely wiping out Amolek, which is connected, of course, to Purim, because Haman Hagogi was from the seed of Amolek. Shayeches Beikar Liyur Aleph. This is connected in the main to Yud Aleph, to the Vav Hei. How? Like the Chazal explain, <coughs> the Gemara explains on the Pasuk in B'Shalach, Kiyad al Yud So that's the Pasuk from B'Shalach. And the Gemara explains, Asher Ein Hashem Sholem, the name of Hashem is not complete, as it were, until the name of Amalek is completely eradicated. That for the complete time that Amalek is still around, as it were, uh, Amalek exists, then Kavyachal, the name of Hashem, is not complete. We only have the, the, the letters of Yud Hadavar. What does this mean? That Amalek is an energy that represents contention and Hisnagdus. Um, and uh, opposition to the letters Vav Hey in the Shem Havaya. What's the Indian of Amalek? Dinyane of Amaleku, Yedea Esri It's a particular kind of snagdos, it's a particular kind of opposition. It's an energy that knows, it, it, it's, it's an energy that knows its creator. And its intention is to rebel against the creator. In other words, it's not somebody who's sinning by mistake. It's not somebody who's sinning from ignorance. No. That the knowledge of this person that they have in their cognition. And they have a feeling. But it's bechinas yud hey. There's a disconnect and their intellectual knowledge and even their emotions doesn't, it doesn't affect their machshava, the Deber and Maisa in a practical way that they should do Torah mitzvahs. The Bechina of Vavhei, and therefore, Remembering Amalek, which is really the mitzvah of eradicating Amalek, should be done properly. When you remember properly, then you come to eradicate properly. In order for the mitzvah of Zechiras Amalek to be done properly, which is the, in, the Indian of eradicating Amalek, you have to start with the Yud Aleph, 
You have to start with the vav hey. You have to start with the simple, quote unquote, avoida, the true avoida of mitzvahs with your voice, with your speech, with your, with your. This true avoida is davka through Kabbalah. It's davka through, with your seichel, not because you understand it. It's with haida. It's you acknowledge that this is this is what you have to do. Ubitl, you have to do it. You have to acknowledge that has to be done. You do it with self-abnegation. In the modality of the Ben Akfar, that talks that much about the king. It's dafka through this. It's dafka this Indian of Kabbalah's all. It's dafka this Indian of Bittel that is able to surmount and overcome and eradicate the Klippa of Amalek. With being very with being, you know, with understanding everything intellectually. And even with the emotions, it's not enough of an energy to overcome this klipa of Amalek, which is like the kaltkite, the, the coldness, like the smugness, the aloofness. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I, I'm a... And it's only through beginning with the Yud Aleph, with the bitl of the Kfar, that you could come to the Tezvav, you could come to the Yudhei, that you could come to the intellectual. Um, okay, so I'm going to start from the beginning of the paragraph again. And through the Indian of the Yud Aleph, the, the Bittal and the Kabbalah, all the Haida of the Ben Kfar, through that we could come the Bechina of Tezbav, the Yud Heishe Bashem. The Tezbav is the Avoida de Moichin, the cognitive Avoida, Devnei Hakrochim, that is alluded to in the category of those who dwell in the walled cities that are so impervious to anything that is against Hashem. And then the name of Hashem is complete and it is in the proper order. Like the second part of the Mishnah begins, remember the Chabbat said that the second part of the Mishnah gives it to us in the order beginning with Tesvav. So it goes from the ultimate to the penultimate to what seems to be like only a concession but that could only happen after the beginning of the mishnah spiritually that could only happen through the bittel and the kabbalah soil of yud aleph until we come to the last scenario that the mishnah gives us when Purim begins on Sunday, 
שאז קיירים בני הכפרים ביוד אלף, בחינז ובה, then the people in the city, I'm sorry, in the, in the, in the, in the village, read on your Aleph, which the Shalat taught us is Bechina of Vav Hei, the Nas is Ad Nusay Shalakadish Baruch Hu Ba'aylaim Shlema, and then the way in which Hashem is the Adoin, the, the master of the world, is complete. And look what the Rebbe is doing here. If you take the numerical value of your Aleph, your Beis, your Gimel, your Dalit, and Tezvav, it it adds up to the I don't know the reason that keeps um, I'm not in a tunnel but it keeps um, kicking me off in any case um, it, you, when you bring your Aleph, your Beit, you give me your Dalit Tezvav together, it's 65 and the word Adnai adds up to 65. And all of this will come to be revealed and it will come to its practical completion and fruition when Mashiach comes. Because at last then we will have the completion of the Melchama that we have to do with Amalek in every generation. It will be Dara de Malka Mashiach. It will be the generation of Melech HaMashiach, because Mashiach will um, wage all the wars of Hashem and he will be victorious and it should be Bimheira Biyameinu Mamash and it should be speedily in our days. Mamash, Mamash. Thank you so much for all the, you know, trials and tribulations <laughs> teaching this. Thank you for sticking with it. <laughs> the, no trials on my end, except for those that I have no, no control over. I just wanted to ask you in the middle of the sikha. Ain't that another metaphor? <clears throat> in the middle of the sikha, and maybe I'm just, maybe it's a small point, not such a major question like it says that the essence of Hashem is connected to Astir from the Chumash and then you said that that means that the essence of Hashem can never be revealed and then I guess I just got a little bit confused like isn't that what we're always trying to do is reveal the essence of Hashem this is just different levels of the essence of Hashem yeah yeah we're talking about different levels yeah <laughs> yeah Also, um, am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah. I can't tell anymore. Also, what occurred to me is that we have a parallel to last week's Sikha, where the Rebbe talks about how building the Mishkan in the Midbar is a higher level than building the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. So it's kind of reminiscent, you know, that the Ben Kfar is, is really the highest level that could <clears throat> be Minatzeach over Amalek. Not how you would think that it would be the Ben Krach, the one that's in the in the encircled city that's so safe and secure and smug and protected. Could it have a parallel with the Megillah where Mordechai is um, 
gathering their children and would they not also fit into this category? That's such an interesting idea. Yeah, that in other words, the, the purity and the timimos, the, the naivete, the, 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 the completion, there's no cognition there. That's very interesting. <clears throat> and to me, it almost seems like a Balshemtov Sicha, the, mm-hmm. the concepts that what the Balshemtov did, how the simple people were important and, and their, their yeah. tilim was important. It's, it's putting it in a different light. Yeah. It's like it's making it the step before to be able to allow higher levels. Yeah. And almost That's like beautiful. the Hasidus today is a result of the simple people in the Balshentov's time. Yeah, that's such a beautiful idea. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And wishing everybody a good week and all the hachanas to the Purim should go easily and smoothly. And we should... I, we should all already uh, be in the encircled city together. Amen. Is there a shear on Tanis Esther? Ah, thank you for it. So, so that's up to everybody. If people want to learn, then then for sure we'll have a shear. Would anyone be interested in doing it on Sunday? If that works for you, Rifki? I can't do it on Sunday. I'll be traveling on Sunday. And Tuesday is not Shaya. That's a Monday. All right. So hopefully everybody will feel very well and it won't be a problem. It's in the morning, so. It's in the morning, yeah. Here it's in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. It's okay. It's okay. That's true.